Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our gospel lesson today, which we heard at the beginning of our service during the uh, Palm Sunday entrance, we heard, of course, of how our Lord entered Jerusalem on that day, five scant days before he would be offered up on the cross of Calvary. Today we remember the pomp and circumstance which surrounded that event, how there was the excitement of the crowds gathering together, laying down the palms, crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees, of course, already upset about his resurrection of Lazarus, who were who had been time and time again uh, rebuked by our Lord, took this opportunity to rebuke him. Teacher, silence your, your disciples. They were calling upon him to quiet the crowds who were identifying the Lord as the son of David, the promised Messiah. Of course, our Lord, who did everything perfectly and had every right he praised in such a way, responded with a prophecy, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Today, let us reflect for a moment what exactly is prophecy. It is one of the various forms of scripture, for there are several different styles of scripture. Yes, everything from the first command of God that let there be light to the final prayer of revelation of come Lord Jesus is entirely the word of God. Yet the various men who wrote the scriptures over the several millennia during the time period that it was written often used their own styles. Some wrote literally, others wrote in a style that was not as literal, a style which is poetic, a parable. And as we consider scripture, it's important that we understand the difference. Those which are always to be understood literally are the texts that report events whether it was the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the flood which ravaged the earth, the Babylonian captivity, or indeed the life, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. We also have the clear words, the literal words of the epistle writers, such as Paul and Peter and John, who as they were sharing commands, as they were sharing admonitions, sharing promises, all were relaying literal scriptures that we were trying to find some type of code or hidden meaning to, but take it at its fundamental word. But in addition to these literal form of scriptures, there are also those which were not intended to be taken as news reports. Our Lord often told parables, and in the scriptures these are always identified, usually by saying the Lord told a parable. Parables are stories and in some ways akin to Aesop's fables, uh, stories which oftentimes are exaggerated, which contain events that are highly unlikely, such as the king who would forgive a debt of 10,000 talents. But because they are parables, we do glean some type of uh, underlying meaning, the very purpose of which our Lord spoke, which is always about him and the promises of the kingdom of God. There is poetry which akin to modern poetry, it often uses, takes poetic license, as you might say. 
using illustrations or languages which describe more than maybe give a picture of what is actually there, of lions lying down with lambs, of children sticking their hands in vipers, in vipers' nests and not being bit, those type of pictures. And we can always tell the difference between poetry and narrative because at the end of the day, poetry has a certain style. While it might be different than English poetry, which we often recognize by rhyme and rhythm, uh, Hebrew poetry was the same way, although using different rules. And of course, then there's the apocalyptic visions, which describe pictures of heaven itself, where trying to explain in earthly terms what a prophet or a, a disciple saw of the heavenly realm can often use terms which need to be understood figuratively. Prophecy sometimes is literal, other times is poetic, which means it can be difficult to understand. But as a good rule of thumb, if we can understand it literal or as literal as possible, that is good to do. And I use this as a preamble for the words of our Lord today. Are they poetry? Is he simply exaggerating? As we shall see, even these words which seem highly improbable of stones crying out. Our Lord's words can be trusted and taken in a literal sense. Let us consider what's happening on this day. Who are these crowds who are gathering? They are God's people, those who have listened to our Lord for the past three years, who have repented of their sins, who look to him as their Savior. True, they might not fully understand what that means. Even Jesus' closest disciples could not comprehend what it meant as he started talking about his coming crucifixion. How he would, even when he told them bluntly, I go to Jerusalem to die. They did not fully comprehend that message. And so as we consider these words, or as we consider these crowds, the question comes up, how do they compare to us? And the answer to that is they are us. We are the ones who have heard the word of God. We are the ones who trust it in faith. We are the ones who believe it. Though indeed, even as we face difficulties, as we encounter uh, everything that's going on around us, we know the Lord is in control. We might not know what it will look like on the outside and what life will look like in the next several years, but we know that whatever comes our way, the Lord will provide, the Lord will give strength, and the Lord will help. The bigger question, I think, though, is what happened to these crowds? Who, what happened over the course of this week? Today, we hear in their excitement how they were laying down palm branches, how they were anticipating that the king, that the son of David was coming into Jerusalem to be crowned, to take the power and reign. Yet we know what happened just five short days later. Then it was a different scene. After our Lord had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was taken first before the Sanhedrin, then later before Pilate. Pilate, not wanting to crucify him, endeavored to have him released. And you know what happened as the crowd gathered. Pontius, as was his custom, always released one prisoner right before the Passover. And so he was promoting Jesus. Do you want, do you want Jesus to be crucified? Or would you rather have him be freed? Possibly, and most probably, he had heard of how the crowds had hailed him earlier in the week. 
had heard how they had laid down the palm branches and laid down their cloaks. Such an activity would not have gone unnoticed by Pilate and would not have been for, and would have been reported to him. So surely that was his expectation. He was surprised, however, when they said, No, we want Barabbas, the murderer, the one who had led an insurrection. And the more that he tried to plead for Jesus, the more the crowds cried out for Barabbas. Were these the same people? Or is it some other group? And the answer, one which we may not want to admit, is it was the same crowds. It was the ones who were disappointed that Jesus hadn't risen up to overthrow the the Romans and those in charge. It was those who were treating Jesus as any of us would without the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. On this night, the Lord withdrew his spirit from the crowds, and they acted as anyone would who has fallen and steeped in sin, indeed as we would. Do we not at times reject our Lord? Do we not get frustrated with him, waiting, wanting him to act quicker than he does, anticipating that he should provide for us in ways that we want him to provide, and not as he has chosen? Jesus was and would be crowned king that day, only it wouldn't be in the ways the crowd expected, not in the throne rooms of the palace, not with a crown of gold, but as we know, he was crowned with thorns. He was crucified on a cross, a a throne of wood and splinters of nails, spears, and whips. He chose the route of suffering. He chose the route that was of endurance, knowing that the prize which was set before him, as Paul reminds us in Philippians, was great. And for the joy that was set before him, the Lord allowed himself to be crucified. We too are called to recognize that in this life we wait with patience and enduring, that there are times we must suffer, that we must put up with what is going around us for the sake of others. These were, in these times where people are struggling, it is an opportunity for us to share, to seek out our neighbors, to find who are in need, find out how we can help those who aren't able to help themselves. Maybe it's delivering groceries or helping those who can't get out of their houses. Maybe it's taking care of a lawn. Maybe it's simply calling up and talking and aiding people to have some contact in this age where we're told we shouldn't be physically close to one another. In many and various ways, we endure what is going on now, knowing that there is the joy which is to come, a joy which comes from a sure and certain knowledge that our Lord is victorious that he works all things together for good. And so, when we might be impatient, when we cry out, we know a better way, that we want the way of the world and not the way of our Lord. What we see, however, is that the Lord himself goes forth and does what he should. Despite the rejection of the people, he did not reject us, but he journeyed to the cross, forgiving our sins, paying the price, and destroying the power of death. But lest you think I forgot about the whole point of our sermon here, talking about the prophecy of our Lord. What's amazing is that it came true also on that fifth day, on the day of our Lord's crucifixion. For as we saw, it wasn't simply the crowds which rejected him, but we're told that all his disciples fled, Peter, James, and John. Yes, John was there for a time, but even by the end, he was gone. Not one person stayed. 
And what was it that happened? Matthew records that as our Lord spent his last breath and gave up his spirit and died, two great things happened that witnessed our Lord's triumph over death, that the price had been paid. First, there was the great rending of the curtain in the temple, opening up and showing that God had been reconciled to man through the sacrifice of Jesus. But then, when all the people remained silent, when no longer did they cry out, Hosanna to the son of David, but instead fled to their own places. We are told that the stones cried out as the earth shook and a great quake shook the land. Our Lord knew what would happen, that yes, the people would fled, that we, that they, like we so often are, would be faithless. But he remained faithful. He continued to offer himself up. Today, we know that our Lord continues to work. He is, the God, he is the God of salvation and the Lord of life. Let us take comfort in knowing that as we go forth, that we go forth in his strength and his love now and always. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.